The following audios the expressed opinions of the hosts and guests and do not reflect investment advice or recommendations of any kind. All funny jokes or just jokes, so don't get it twisted. And so will they actually ask you to come back before they arrest you or are they just going to just release all the information and then the FBI is going to come knocking on your door? Like, how are you going to get out of this? Only time will tell. Only time will tell. Golly. Well, all right. We cannot reveal the location of where Braden is right now as he is on the run. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, <laughs> that is tough. I'm sure hoping everyone heard that story. Yeah, yeah, we've got a lot of content that's really good. I know. I really like that we start with the bangers. So that's uh, <laughs> it's always good to, to wake them up before you put them to sleep. <laughs> oh, man. Dude, yeah. Well, thanks for joining in. This is going to be one of the better podcasts, um, mainly because there's probably an echo as I'm filming it or recording this in a different room. Um, <laughs> You're in the safe house. But You're in the safe house. I, I'm in a safe house. You're in a safe house. We're, we're all in safe houses. Um, you live. Coming to you live. Yeah. All right. So we're, we're going to go firestorm here. I'm going to give you two options. One, um, I've got a billion dollar idea for business that you will never start yourself. And I know you personally will never start it. Or I can go through a list of different businesses that are solely owned by one person and they're all worth over a billion dollars. Can I, can I, can I take a, uh, what is it called then? Uh, the, uh, how to be a millionaire show or whatever. What is that show? With Phone you? a friend. Yeah. You well, I know. I, I just need a hint. I just need a hint is really what I need a lifeline um, is the business. I would never do myself one that requires a lot of hands-on stuff that you would refuse to delegate. <laughs> <laughs> Initially. Yes, probably as every business would. Uh, it's more of what the product is. Oh, I need to hear it then. I need to hear right. what, is we'll the, what is the dirty so, product? What are you selling? I, I found this amazing uh, tweet um, of this guy. I think he does a bunch of short form content, but he does market research for a ton of different brands and then he'll make TikToks for them. And one of the ones that he just made was this one. He might actually start this business himself. It got very, you know, viral. It's a skincare moisturizer, cleaner, cleanser brand. I'm going to text it to you and you can watch it on your phone right now. Um, I guess maybe just to see a little bit more of like what it says. But essentially for everyone there that is listening, this guy came up with a skincare brand where it's all based off of steps. There's no stupid name for you know, this moisturizer, this cleanser or garden of the gods, galaxy cleanser. It's literally step one, step two, step three, step four. So for someone like you and I, who probably don't spend a lot of money or attention towards skincare routine and products, it gets very confusing. And there's a very, I don't know, limited knowledge, or I guess tons of different ideologies about 
Oh, I see it because what there's toner, toner and eye cream and moisturizer. and, and uh-huh. Yeah, dude, I don't know. What, all that stuff is the same to me. <laughs> exactly. This is why I told you it wouldn't work. But it's, this video blew up and everyone said, oh, where can I buy this? Where's the link? I want this. And he just doesn't have it. He just made a TikTok video with simple pictures that he screenshotted and said, hey, here's what I would do. And I found it and I thought it was brilliant. So credit to this guy whose name I- is Ashwin Schwinnebago. I doubt that's his real name. Props to him. I but- love that. Can I can I throw a caveat there? Competing sure. by not competing. Not a caveat. Just another place where that would make a lot of sense is in freaking supplements, yeah. dude. Think about supplement companies that have all of these crazy names for their pre-workout, their post-workout, their overnight recovery, all of that crap. If you just had step one, take before workout. Step two, take right after workout. Step three, take before bed. Step four, take in the morning, whatever. Like, and that's just the name of the product? Yeah. No brainer. Just like, tell me what to do as the name of the product. That is beautiful. That is if that is if you call pins right or right with me instead <laughs> of pins. Like that is just so that is revolutionary. No, it, it, it is, revolutionary. is genius. Like you can put a description underneath like step one, but step one is like one of the products, right? Well, it's just like a name. Yeah. It's just a name. Sure. Step one, rub in. That's the yeah. name. <laughs> like, okay, cool. <laughs> no, but you're right. Like that's actually a really good thought. Um, and people kind of put too much thought or maybe they care too much. Uh-oh. Sorry. One second. They care too much about like what the branding will be, you know? And because of that, they just think, oh, this isn't going to be good. But in reality, like if you just do steps one, two, three, and four, you're fine. I think that any product where you have to any product that requires specialized knowledge to use, or you have to coach people on the proper way to do it, it is a no brainer to just, instead of thinking about how to name your product or whatever, just name it the freaking steps. And you're just like, step one is do this. And that is like, I'm trying to think of other places where you would do that, but uh, I mean, I don't know. Your brand becomes simplicity at that point. Your brand is simplicity. It's not, oh, we're going to go after this great, you know, opening experience like Apple and you have the box and everything's perfect, which you can kind of still emulate that a little bit. But you don't have to say, oh, it's this name or that. Or you don't have to be Kylie Jenner with 80 million followers. And it just sells because your name is Kylie Jenner and they put Kylie Jenner on the box. Mm -hmm. Right. So if you're starting a skincare business from scratch just do this. Like, this is so smart. You know, it really is. It really is. I want to go start a supplement company right now. Just that step one. We can't. No, no. Got to focus you in. Pull back. Pull back. Pull back. You're right. You're right. Somebody go out there and do that. That is just, that is just fun. It's actually just fun. Um, and you know, Meg to do that. Is she super into that? No, no, I don't know. Maybe. Uh, who knows not enough to do it, but it is interesting. So anyway, ladies out there, go make a makeup brand or something. That's right. Dude, makeup, 
name your makeup product. They have all these weird names for mascara and and lip stuff. And uh, I don't even, I'm going to make myself like an idiot. But dude, if you just named your product line after the order that the things should go on your face in. Yeah. It's easy. Wow. And then if you just, all you need is like some comedic humor. It's like, first we start with, oh my God. Oh, step one. Step one. <laughs> yeah. You know? Like, and you don't have so to funny. like, yeah, it's so fun because you don't have to like tell the people what all the products are or like, I don't know why it's, I, I guess, I don't know. It's just, it's just a no brainer. And maybe it's, <laughs> maybe it's only something that we would like because we don't understand that space. Um, but who knows? Yeah. I, I had no true clue on exactly what we need to go. Cause you got to like, go find the products, do research, make it, make it unique. You can't just steal someone's formula. I don't know. Hey, but dude, there all is, I don't think there are special formulas. I think they're all manufactured. That game, dude, everything's manufactured by the same people and the same place. So it's just branding. It's all about branding. Okay. Exactly. So that's why people care about the branding. And if you just came out with this, somehow trademarked it to be like step one, step two, step three, step four, that would take off. But I think you're right. Going into the health and fitness category of that would be so much easier. Yeah. And it's like, hey, take this before you work out. Do this while you work out. Mm-hmm. And then you just grow the brand around that. You could, if you're just being entrepreneurial, just create this entire branding or marketing and just go find a supplement brand already and say, hey, you're struggling. We should do this. Dude, Let's partner up. I'll take step, 20%. Step-by-step step enterprises. Step-by-step step enterprises is the is the brand name, dude. <laughs> you keep wanting to like give it everything. You got to pick one and you stick with it. Because if you're like doing skincare and fitness and health and I don't know, other things, I... To me, I don't think that would be very successful. People would just be like, you just create steps. Like yeah. I would want you if you were just a small niche and I just want that one thing. And then that's cool. Mm-hmm. Anywho, um, that's that was just such a cool video that I saw. I thought this guy was very smart by coming up with it. Um, I think he found it or got the idea from a Reddit post that just said, hey, I'm struggling with the steps on how to use all these skincare products and where do I go? Where do I start? And he just saw that repeatedly. So good for him. I think he's on to something. Hopefully. All problem. Yeah. Easiest solution in the entire world. Wow. There you go. Um, Let's see here. Oh, so let's go through these billionaires. There's only two that I want to talk about. There's a few of them in here that started multi giant food and restaurant companies and they got their start because their parents were really wealthy. So I'm really happy about that. Um, but one of these is called, um, fashion Nova. Have you ever heard of this? Your wife probably has. I've definitely heard the name. What is that? Yeah. Fashion Nova is a fast fashion retail store. Yeah. Basically all online valued at over $2 billion started by just one guy bootstrapped and it started in 2018. It was started by a guy. Do what? It was started by a guy. It was. Yeah. Makes so much sense. Megan hates it. 
they uh, all the fashion world always writes these things on it about how like fast fashion is so harmful to the environment and like destroying the world and it's like terrible to make clothes that you just throw away yeah. after, after their season but some guy was like yo no this guy you know, yeah, he did it he did it in like um i don't know 2012 2013 so when he started it and then by 2016 uh or i'm sorry 2018 he was the most searched fashion brand in the world and in 2023 he probably does zero work and he could care less about the environment or people because he bought the largest house in Los Angeles, mm. which by itself probably produces the same amount of what harmful flex, things to bro. the environment. Like what Houston. is flex? Dude. And I mean, he doesn't care about your fashion. He doesn't care about anything you have going on. He is worth over $2 billion. He's in the game, bro. He got in the game. Like, People in the game don't care about all the people whining and, and scoffing at him, right? Elon Musk does not care about the people scoffing at him because he's in the game. He didn't care about you, like, whining about whatever. Tesla's not being safe. Uh, he's in the game. Yeah. So, yeah, good for that guy, dude. That's interesting. I'm proud I have of him. Fashion Nova. I'm very familiar with fashion. Like, when you said it, the name was very recognizable, and I'm pretty sure Megan wrote a paper on it in fashion school or whatever. <laughs> she was like, I hate this guy. I want him to burn. <laughs> yeah, no, it's funny. She was she I, very intrigued by this conversation. Good. I mean, I think she'd be spot on. Um, but the second guy that I think is a fantastic innovator and entrepreneur is named Ronald Stordahl. And he created DigiKey Electronics, sole owner of this company, completely bootstrapped. And it's one of the largest uh, electronics distributors in the world. And it does a ton of different storage and then security transfer, blah, blah, blah. But his story is really cool. Uh, their revenue per year, guess what their revenue per year for a company that was just started by one guy. And it's roughly 20 years old. 20 years old. 20 years old. Zero outside investment. He's clearly a billionaire. So it's got to be um, maybe a billion dollars at revenue. I'll start with a billion dollars of revenue. $4.5 billion in revenue. At least I was on the right order of magnitude. That's good. Yeah, that's good. Golly, that's just stupid. I, I'm so proud of him. Um I think he's a brilliant human being. Takes a lot to that, scale like that, man. Takes a lot to scale like that. That's awesome. That's that's for sure. Hey, can we talk uh, about entrepreneurs real fast? Because I had this thought and it, that was that was very interesting. And I would love to study this list you're looking at and figure out how many hit this. I have decided that entrepreneurs are a lot less about genius and a lot more about impatience. And almost every great business that has been built in the recent past, think Uber, think um, DoorDash, think all of these things. It has always been about taking something that a very impatient person would be pissed off about and then saving them time. Fast fashion is also that way. Yeah, I mean- It's about about solving impatience. You're going after the problem of efficiency. Of impatience. You're going after impatience. Yeah. I think, I like, I think that all of the best entrepreneurs, like the running theme between them is that they are tackling that problem. 
for the most part. Then there are the hard ones like like the Elons of the world who are not tackling that. And that's why it's so difficult to replicate what they did. You know, like Tesla is not about impatience. And that's why it's so hard to build another Tesla. Yeah. Although the next really big billionaire is going to be the person who solves the charging battery problem because what people hate about Teslas is long time to charge. Yeah, whoever can do that is beyond brilliant. But part of me, I don't thinks, think. So. Well, I, I don't know. But okay, I don't know. Yeah, you say brilliant. I would say just good at solving the impatient problems. Good at solving the impatient problems, but you could still make the argument of let's say you can. I know you've talked about this, and tons of people have done it. Of what if you created a unique brand of gas stations, but it's not gas. So it's just electric vehicles, right? And these exist. And then you had a store there and it's a little bit better, but what would you add at this location besides, Oh, you got to leave your car here and it's got to charge. You're on a big road trip, right? As more and more people start to, you know, travel, drive more with electric vehicles, and they have longer battery life and everything else. Great. Um, but you still have to wait on it to charge. How do you solve that immediate problem of entertaining someone's time while they wait for it to charge? Like what is at that property? Just have to say, man, I mean, the problem is everybody's going to be pissed off because everybody's impatient and mad that they have to be there. And so, now that's one problem. There is a blessing here, though, that exists, which is like technology continues to make us grow more and more separate, more and more in our own bubbles, less and less out in the community around us. So there is something beautiful about it of like inside of that store, you could just have a few card tables with board games and cards. And be like, hey, here you go. And now get together with the people around you because misery loves company and they're pissed off, too. But at least you guys can play like go fish together while you wait. Yeah, like a perfect Probably. place to meet. That is true. Hey, Brayden, how did your son meet his wife? Oh, they met charging their Teslas at, at a gas station. It's where meet cutes are going to happen, dude. Got to have those places where those things are going to occur. Part of me thinks you make the business out of it by super, super small shops. So you put a Lululemon, you put a, I don't know, whatever store. And they're tiny. Like these things are very small, but they'll be packed with clothes. And that's your gas station. And so people, when they have to charge, can just walk into every single store and see this and that and the other. And then they're shopping and their charging should be done in like 30 minutes. But people would rather do that than, in my mind, have like a Starbucks or something where they can just get some work knocked out or even just like sit on their phone. I mean, they They definitely don't want, they definitely don't want those two things. Here's the third thing that I would do. Freaking Dave and Buster style games (laughs) and charge them and charge them points, right? They got to pay for credits to go play the games and the prizes can be cool things like Lulu shorts or something that they just acquire the points as they go gas station to gas station all the time. And they just have a little card. That's like a loyalty customer card. That tracks all of their points, just like a David Buster's card or something. Um, 
And then they're playing games and having, that's what I would want to do. If I were to like stop somewhere, that's just me. I'm like, screw shopping, dude. That's no fun. But if there are things that I can win because I played games, then it's like, oh yeah, I'll play. (laughs) (laughs) See, yeah. But what's the one universal thing? Like I would play games too. My wife wouldn't care. I want to find something that you put at these charging stations that everyone loves. Your wife wouldn't play like Dave and Buster style games. I mean, she, she probably would. It's just not like her first choice. I don't think, I don't know. Maybe you won't get everybody's first choice. That's for sure. But you just got to think like, I mean, yeah, shopping would be fun for some games would be fun for others. Um, I don't know. Whoever solves that problem, like, hey, I'm going to make these charging stations, build it under a brand, like Bucky's. Bucky's a giant brand gas station. They do so well. They're well positioned. They got the properties in, honestly, some of the least desired spots um, for some of their locations. And everyone still goes out of their way to the mega, mega gas station Acropolis that Bucky's is. And then they go get their gas and they go inside, get their food and the burritos and whatever. And then they come back out and they're like done. So it's gotta be something like that. And this is a problem. I mean, there's physical limitations to how fast cars can get you from point A to point B. Right. And so back in the day, driving from Texas to New York was a pain in the butt with kids in the car and everybody hated it. And it was the worst. And car companies couldn't make the cars go faster. Just like right now, they can't make the chargers charge faster. So what they do? They invented ways to entertain. And you know what the thing they went for that would be good for a place like this? Movies. Yeah. DVD players and stuff in the cars and screens so that you could watch movies on the way and watch movies is filling the time. That's good too. Games and movies. Yeah. And then now they have just everything on handheld devices, your phone or whatever. You can just do anything from your hand. Yep. Yeah. I I think I think it's a really good idea that a ton of people probably are still working on. Some entrepreneur is going to start it. It's not going to take off super well, but then someone's going to see that and then start the brand and have that best idea. Yeah. And it's like this is what we're going to have while your cars charge. Yeah. And it's going to be perfect. Yeah, the, the only problem is it's like a very short-lived business because eventually they will find a way to make those cars charge faster. And as soon as they do, your entire business model is just like blockbuster to Netflix. So yeah. it's like, you know, you're kind of you're kind of bad. So yeah. um sorry, man. Um so I want to talk about something that I was thinking about this last week. Do it. Trading wise, market wise. Do uh, it. Uh, option credit spreads. Okay. Sure. Option credit spreads. The crazy thing about the option credit spread is, you know, you can get a little bit of a premium and you can really limit your downside because there's not a lot of exposure to the options being called. This is selling, selling one that is a little bit out of the money and buying one that is a little bit more out of the money and keeping the yeah. difference, right? So you're selling one that's worth a little bit of premium, buying one that's worth less premium further away from the money. So if the option goes into the money, 
there's a little bit of an area where you can lose, but after it exceeds that area, you have another option covering you. And so you don't lose anymore. Um, now here's what I, here's what I kind of started playing with today. I'm calling it, I haven't gotten a great name for it. It's gotta be something like the options compounding machine. Okay. Concept Explain. is put a penny out, huh? Explain it. Yeah. The concept is put a penny in, get two pennies out, do that long enough. And all of a sudden you got something that actually makes money. And when I say long enough, I'm talking, this is like a do this every single day. And in a year, it's not going to do anything for you or it's not going to look crazy. But if you do this every single day for 10 years, you're going to be super wealthy. Okay. Here's how the game goes. And I've started doing this for myself and, and for the fund. Um, sell an option that is pretty deep out of the money, daily options on the SPY or QQQ, whatever, right? Sell an option that is pretty deep out of the money. Um, not, not likely to hit unless a big move, like a four to 6% move happens. Right. And, and I've started now at first I was just naked on that option. So I would just write an option, sell an option that was like 4% out of the money. I'd get a premium of like five bucks for it. So not a lot. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so you get your five bucks, turn around and buy some company under five bucks, just one share of stock that pays a dividend or is relatively safe or is deeply undervalued. Right now I'm looking at one that's just deeply undervalued, right? Uh, uh, Qua, uh, Qua Retail or whatever, QRTEA, right? The, the one that runs QVC. They're, they're at like 218, right? The stock could be worth seven bucks, probably should be worth seven bucks. It's at 218. So every day I'm taking my $5 premium that I got and I'm buying two shares of Quarry, QRTEA every day, just every single day. Doesn't matter. Just hit it, hit it, hit it, hit it. Right. The option is deep out of the money. If I cover myself on the spread, right. I can cover where I don't lose. If it does actually hit, um, at least don't lose a lot. Um, but the idea is if you do that every day, and, and I'm going to take the example somewhere else real fast because where the idea really sat was with Verizon stock. Let's say I got $20 a premium because I sold enough to get $20. So I sold four of those options. I can't right, right now. The margin requirements kind of are too high. <laughs> like that's, that's a little insane. Um, so do four. Go buy, uh, I think actually Verizon's at 50. So you got to do 10. Go buy one share of Verizon. Verizon's a high dividend yield stock. The company's not going anywhere in the next 10 years. It's going gonna, it's gonna to continue to exist. Um, and so what you're doing is you're just building up this stockpile every single day. Do your, do your premium sell, buy your stock. And over time, you're also accumulating dividends from that stock that you can reinvest back into the stock. And yeah. you just end up acquiring this crazy stockpile that is compounding and compounding and compounding that you don't see any difference in a day-to-day. -day. Like in a day-to-day, -day, it's boring. Over a year, it's boring, but you're like, okay, cool. I kind of see that I made some wealth out of it. But over 10 years, all of a sudden you have something that is just like the dividends you're able to buy 10 shares at a time. And you have so much assets in there that you, know, you can sell enough options to buy 10 shares. Yeah, but if you're completely in one position, that one stock, don't you feel like the risk on that is maybe scary? But it's house money. You literally mm -hmm. did nothing to get it. So it's like, yeah, possibly. 
that's why Verizon's a good one, right? Verizon could get blown up. That's true. And that would suck. Um, but you know, if you can choose right and get lucky, you're in really good shape and it's house money, dude. It's house money. And if you were really worried about it, you could start diversification down the road. Um, but yeah, that's the, uh, that's the current play. The options. So explain, explain the math on the out of the money put you're, you're selling a put or a call on the, it doesn't start. matter. Either day depends. Um, I literally sell it at about 10 o'clock, um, AM. So I kind of look at where the market's going by that time. You yeah. don't have a feel of where it's going to end right today. It was green. I think it ended green, but it went red. And then like, you don't really know. Um, but feel it out from there, right? If it's, if it's green at 10 AM, maybe sell a call. That's another 4% above where it's at, at that point. Um, you know, that might imply that the market moved 6% that day for you to get called out. That would be kind of crazy. Um, it could happen yeah. kind of crazy, uh, especially in a one it'll, day. It'll and never go up six. It'll, the spy will never go up 6%. In well, one it's day. only, I mean, it does that so rarely. It did that like six times in a row when COVID was happening and it went down like 7% every day for several days. But like, it's rare. It's very, very rare. Um, and so yeah, you just you just kind of play that, and you get no premium for these options because everybody out there knows that it's super unlikely. But you're picking up pennies. You're literally picking up pennies, and then you're putting them in your little penny machine, and two pennies are going to come out on the back end, and you're just acquiring these assets. Yeah, if you if you're just doing it into higher dividend stocks, so would you just would you want to buy higher dividend stocks? I think so. The ideal scenario would be you're buying stocks that are stable with really high dividend, like a REIT or something like that, that has a good potential of being stable, has assets that are long lasting, um, is not in a market that's going to get like super disrupted and uh, pays a decent yield. And if you do that, then right quarterly now you're getting cash payments from that. So every quarter you bought what, 80 shares? And so every quarter, your 80 shares are actually 60 shares, call it 60 shares, right? Now you got 60 more shares that are paying a dividend. And maybe that dividend helps you pay for another mm-hmm. shares. So now every quarter, you're able to acquire another 10 shares. But the next quarter, you got 60 plus your 10. So now you have 70 shares paying that dividend. Um, and, and you just, it just costs. Have you calculated it out, just pulled it out and seen like, here's what it'll be in 10 years? I need to. I need to. No. Why I- haven't you done that? Uh, cause mentally I just know that that's, that's, it works. I just, I don't know. I don't need to see that. I know mentally it works, but then prove it to yourself. Like this is what I do per day. So times 365 is this per year times 3,650 is this for 10 years. Yeah. So let's just do that math right now. Cause but you can't multiply me. it by 10. You can't just multiply it by 10. You're right. It's, it's adding as you move through. It's adding as you move through it. It's compounding daily interest. Yeah. So it's I, like, I take that back. So it's to a, you could do it to the something of three, six, five, oh, you could. Yes. As an exponential. And you could just do this. You can do this in Excel and, and just drag it out or do whatever you want to do. Right. I mean, this is doable mathematically, but I, I'm always the guy that's like, oh, it's better to be roughly right than precisely wrong. If I know that there's going to be solid asset at the end, I have to know what it looks like. I know it's going to be good. So, okay, this is bothering me. So I'm just give me a hypothetical of what you make per day. Uh, you make five dollars on the option premium per day, and you get five dollars worth of a stock asset per option contract. 
peroxide. So what does it grow to the next day? What is one day's ROI? Uh, well, the next day you do the same thing. You dump it over into the stock. And so now you got four shares of stock or whatever instead of two. And you just keep doing that. Now you don't see a dividend until the end of the quarter. So let's say you're doing two every day, every day that the market is open. The market is open for um, 12 weeks in a quarter, right? Sure. Um, five days per week. So it's open 60 days. So right. if you bought two shares of a dividend paying stock that pays you two cents or something, right? Uh, a 10% dividend on a $2 stock. Uh, it's going to pay you uh, that. That would be 20 cents per year divided by four, five cents um, five per share. Yeah. Okay. So. Now you've acquired by the end of the quarter, 120 shares that are going to pay you five cents. Yeah. Right. Okay. So what is that? Uh, um, $6. That mental math should be in my head. But $6. So with that $6, you can go buy two more shares. Not crazy. Actually, three more shares. So that's not crazy. But now you got three more shares that you didn't have. You continue through the next round. The next round, next quarter, you have 240 shares plus six because you bought, or plus three, because you bought the whatever. So with 240 plus three, you got 243 at five cents. That's 12, $13. So now go ahead and take those dividends and you buy six shares. The next quarter you got what? 360 plus six shares plus three shares, nine. So call it uh, 370 shares, five cents. Now, see, now you're compounding every day. You're doing that and you're building it more and more and more. Um, and like I said, I'm going to do it by quarters. Keep going. Keep going. Uh, I can't go off the top of my head anymore. 540, um, 540 shares, I think is probably the next. I'm not really sure. Um, plus, uh, call it 20 shares that you buy from the dividends. Uh, so 560 shares. And then the next quarter you're at, am I adding by 180? I'm adding by 180s at this point. That's not right. I need to be adding by 60s. I don't know, man. I can't do that mental. Shouldn't there be a no, rule on the pod? You never do mental math on the pod. Um, yeah. Never do mental math, but I got it for you. So I just pulled it out. And if you just $5 and you double it, and let's just say for giggles, you're just doubling every quarter. Okay. That's just... That's stupid math, right? So five turns to 10, the next quarter turns to 20, the next quarter turns to 40, 80, yep. 160, 320. By quarter 19, so right before five years, you're over $1 million. If That's it exactly just right. Up. So I'm so saying you don't. And then you if don't. you get to 40, Q40, okay, so 10 years. You're at $2.7 million. Oh, wait, no. Oh, holy hell. Wait a minute. No, you're at $2.7 billion. (laughs) If you can double your money every quarter and just starting with five bucks, that is a phenomenal return though. I know, but it looks silly on the day to day and it looks silly in one year. But I'm telling you, the compound is powerful. It's very, very. But you you have to double every quarter, and it's all back in invested. Yes. Every- 
You just have to my, double your. So what you're doubling is your amount of shares. You're not dub. Sorry, that's so. This is where it's a problem too. You're not doubling the amount of shares every quarter. You're doubling that dividend every quarter. Um, you are you are matching the amount of shares every quarter. Um, yeah, I think. Or you're 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 compounding at sixty. You're definitely not doubling the amount of shares every quarter. But there's all kinds of ways where the compound machine starts adding levers. Okay. Because right now with margin requirements and just like getting called out being a $30,000 hit or something, I'm only going to do one option. But as my assets grow and I have more to cover me on the back end, I'm going to do two. And then I'm going to mm-hmm. do three. And then I'm going to do four. And then I'm going to do 10. You know, so I'm even adding the amount of premium that I'm getting over time too, which is just feeding back into the compound machine. So you can grow it. Mm. Yeah, it doesn't grow. It doesn't double every quarter. If it no. did, it'd just be stupid. You'd be a millionaire in under five years, just starting with $5, which is insane, but that's still so cool. Um, but yeah, if you double, what is that? And then every year, you're basically growing by, yeah, that's a ton. You go from $5 to $80. That's wild. That is pretty crazy. I mean, you're yeah, compounding I mean, $5 a day. No, no, no. For $280 days a year. Yeah, but I'm just saying from quarter to quarter, if you just double your money. So from January 1st to April 1st, it goes from $5 in your portfolio to $10. And if you just do that constantly... I mean, theoretically, yes. You just can't lose. And if you lose, you somehow have to outgame and double back. And here's the beautiful thing about these out of the money. Well, first off, the beautiful thing about out of the money is um, it's very unlikely to get hit. And so when I'm selling these options, when I'm writing these options, I have to think about the risk on that side, right? It's like if I write a put, at 360 or something in the S&P or whatever's at 380 um, or the spies yeah. at 380. Uh, it's very unlikely, but if it gets hit, I now have to buy a hundred shares at $360 a share. Right. But here's the beautiful thing about it is I just bought at a deep discount to the last day's price, like a very deep discount. Um, and the next day it's probable that it's going to be up at least 1%. I mean, it might go down more like it did in COVID and, compound seven-day losses for a month yeah. or um, but it's not so likely so the next day i might be able to sell out at a small game um or hold it and i'm at a deep discount with an ET- etf share so do you do you do a complete 100 percent reinvestment every time yes every day every day yes and so if that day you're just SOL, you lose everything then, right? No, let's say, I mean, the $5, let's say it grows to 80. And one day you put in 80, you sell a call, and then you use that premium, you get more dividends. You just keep buying shares of the same stock, right? But what if that stock one day just tanks? Yeah. That's what I'm saying. You're like, I mean, you played with house money. That's it. 
the way I rationalize that is you're playing with house money. You never put any of your money into it. And then, so this is a strategy that I'm using. It's not right. Obviously I don't have all the capital in there. Cause if I did, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have other, I, like, I wouldn't have any need to do the, the strategy thing. So, you know, you got capital in other places, you got things invested in different areas of the portfolio. This is just so like, you're, auto, you're, you're automatically reinvesting all of the gains from this small portion. So that's what you're qualifying yeah, as house money. Yep. Oh, man. Yeah. Theoretically. Isn't it weird? It's possible. Isn't it weird? I know. I was like, man. Theoretically, if you just don't lose. So but every year. Yeah. And, and what is lose in this scenario? That's my big thing. It's like, what is lose? Lose is, and, and lose can happen, but lose is you get it at a really crazy price relative to what it was the day before, right? So say you sold a put, now you got in 6% below what the market was yesterday and the market falls 6%. And then the next day it falls 6%. And then the next day it falls 6%. And the only way you lose is that you get so psychologically tied up in that, that you sell, but you don't have to sell. You're in now, right? Like you just, all that it means is that you're in it now and you're in the SPY. Yeah. I guess the SP 500 can go away and you can really lose, but like all you've done is you've gotten yourself into an SPY position. People are, do you ever, position. are you ever selling or buying back those options? I wouldn't. Cause then you absolutely lock in the loss. Why wouldn't I just take the shares right. And be, be positional in it. Yeah. Well, you said you're going to sell, you know, let's you're selling a call option in one example, one day. Right. If I end up short, then it would be a bad thing. Well, I mean, I guess kind of a bad thing. I would probably wait the next, I don't know. I would have to wait it out. I would have to see why it was happening, right? If there was some global event that happened, like Russia totally. launched a nuclear bomb or something and the S&P 500 rallied 6%. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, okay. So everyone's like, ah, you know what we should do with our money? Yeah. I, I, mean, I don't know. I, I guess it, I would have to wait it out and decide if I wanted to be short the SPY for a short term um, or if, or if there was really some big rally coming and I needed to get out of it, but yeah, that's my only pushback is just calls are scarier than puts calls are scarier than puts. And so far I haven't done any calls. It's all been puts. Um, And I might stick with that. I left, I leave myself open to the option of there being calls, but um, so far it's always been puts and puts are a lot less scary because it's like, okay, now I'm long the S and P 500. I mean, that's what any, you know, that's what any advisor would be doing is just like putting my money into SPY ETF. So, yeah, I don't know. Although I told you, uh, I mean, it was flirting S&P 500 with that 4,100 mark. That was kind of the telltale. And since then, it's gone down 2% after it was just, you know, kissing that line for forever. Yeah, I'm really, I'm really scared. It's going to go down to about 3,800. Yeah, um, but I think it will, and then it'll hit that floor and then come back up. And if at that time in two, three months the Fed's like, you know what, we're going to pull back on interest rates because we're seeing inflation, but they won't. I feel like they're going to continue to keep quarter percent hiking it up until something goes uh, up. No, until inflation gets a little bit more under control, but I don't, I mean, six to eight months, I don't know. 
Nobody Has there knows. ever been a rate tightening cycle this extreme where something did not blow up? I'm not confident there has been. And so here's my, here's my hypothesis or here's my, here's my lesson from history. The Fed has never stopped this type of tightening cycle until they were forced to through some sort of blow up. So like eighties with Jimmy Carter. And, uh, Oh wait, I believe Oh eight, they were raising, they were in an oh. aggressive raising pattern. Um, the Russian ruble crisis is what I'm really thinking of long-term capital management. I don't know. I just think that there's always something's going to blow up. And when something they're going to keep raising rates until something blows up and then they're going to be like, Oh my God, we messed up. So you don't believe in the soft landing? Uh, no, no. I love how pessimistic you are. You should start selling calls. (laughs) <laughs> i guess i don't know uh, i like I, it doesn't matter really I, so so those were naked cells right i'm now on the train as of literally today of doing the credit the credit spread which is like sell a put at, on the spy at 393 and buy a put at 392 so that i really can only lose the number in between 393 and 392 and nothing else, right? I can't lose on yeah. the back because the other puts the other puts protecting. So you're hedging. Then just take that spread and go buy with house money. So it's really not revolutionary, dude. People sell options to collect cash flow all the time. The big difference is compounding into something that is also cash flow and not taking that money and buying drugs and strippers like other Wall Street guys do, I'm sure. You don't want any more drugs and strippers? No drugs and strippers for me. I'm out, I'm off that train as of uh, the beginning of this podcast. Good for you. Yep. Yep. That that wild story there that we had at the beginning was uh Yeah. Bit, so I know that's why it's so funny. And you're in some gentleman's club right now in the middle of nowhere. So I know. I know. Playing out safe house, using that house money. Right there. Anyway, so that's the thanks for playing devil's advocate on the strategy. That's that's one no, of I the like, I like going after it, but I have to give you your credit. It's amazing. I think you're being able to just slowly grow it over and over. Um, you know, if the rug gets pulled out in a very, very, very unlikely scenario, yeah, it just kind of sucks, but it is the house money, you're just using gains. If it gets pulled out on the options, that could be tougher, but Yep. It just depends on where you, you know, you sell those. So you just aren't really ever in any danger unless COVID happens again. But and then I'm in danger. If COVID happens again, danger. you would see that weeks ahead and you probably would stop. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think it's really good idea. I got to look out for. So yeah, dude, just try and create something out of nothing. That's the plan. I always do this every year whenever I'm in the tax zone, tax season zone for the fund. I just, yeah. I, all I do, this is literally my mental game. Tax preparation comes, ADD preparation comes. And I think this is so much work. I want to quit. I'm going to quit. And then the other part of my brain is like, no, you shouldn't quit. You should just find a way to make a lot more money, a lot faster. 
And it's like, let's rack through ideas. And then they fight and fight and fight. And then something like this pops out. It's like, oh, cool. I'll just try this for the next year. And then, uh, you know. You know that old proverb, every man has two wolves inside of him. One is the accountant and then one is the entrepreneur. Mm. And the one that survives is the one you feed. Mm -hmm. I love it. I love it. All right, we're going to end with that, folks. I don't think I can get any smarter than what I said right there. But <laughs> shout out to Brandon uh, for running the table. He will have $2.7 billion 10 years from now, according to my <laughs> Very, very accurate math. Roughly, to, better to be roughly right. That's better right. $2.7 billion. All right.